You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer. This is episode 19. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm super excited to have my friend, Elle McCann, here. So, Elle and I have known each other for, oh gosh, I think almost six years. Yeah, it's been Um, a bit. (laughs) Yeah. So Elle actually was one of my inspirations for me starting my own business and starting on my entrepreneurial journey. So I felt like she had to be one of my guests on my podcast because I learned so much from her and from her work ethic and her creativity. And yeah, so Elle is the owner of Curious Themes, and I'm sure she'll tell you more about that. But welcome to the show, Elle. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And that means a lot. You saying that um, I was an inspiration. So that's, that's really heartwarming. Thank you. You really were. Honestly, like, I remember being in my dead end job and you talking about how much you loved working for yourself. And it just, it kind of gave me the courage, I guess, to go out on my own and do that because I didn't know anybody else that had done that. So... Awesome. Nice. Yeah. So tell us, or not me, I know you, but tell everybody listening more about you and what you do. Yeah. So I am a web designer and developer. Um, and as you said, my business name is Curious Theme. So I work specifically with the Shopify e-commerce platform and I design sites for people who are wanting to start an online store, move it from another platform into the Shopify platform. Um, So I do both one-on-one work as well as have some online classes and do a lot of YouTube videos of how to get, once you get yourself up with Shopify, how to really grow your online store. Yeah, that's so important. That's definitely a growing space that's really needed. There's so many e-commerce stores and so much, so many of them aren't doing it well so that you are definitely a needed product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I felt really nervous at first kind of hitching my, um, my horse to one, like, you know, one cart of the, like picking the Shopify platform and saying, okay, I'm going to go niche and I'm just going to work with this platform. But I think it really kind of benefited me of picking just the one platform instead of trying to be a, a jack of all trades for any kind of website or, um, any kind of design. And that way it really let me get really clear on my messaging. And thankfully I picked the right platform because they're definitely the the leader in the e-commerce space. That's been really nice as well. So let's back up. I know you have quite a story. How did you get to where you are? So I know you had a bunch of other businesses. How did you get started on this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So I, whenever I was in school, um, I was always freelancing, doing, you know, websites. Uh, I primarily then did WordPress. Um, And after college, I went into an ad agency and I was the the web designer there. And so I really liked having the community of the ad agency, uh, but I knew that I wanted to, you know, it was hard working on somebody else's dream. So I knew I wanted to work on my own dream and have that flexibility. And so my husband and I, this was in our early 20s, and we decided, you know, we don't have kids, so let's just move to the beach um, which was a great decision, with, but it was very hard in the beginning because I had gone for freelancing for two years and then two years at the ad agency. So my mind, in my mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to just instantly go into freelancing again and I'll have all these clients and everything will be great. And that's not how it worked out. Um, because 
I didn't really factor in the fact that, you know, I hadn't been building these connections and putting myself out there for two years. So whenever I went back to freelancing, there was no connections. Nobody really cared. I didn't really have a strong brand to really push that out there. Um, so actually the first eight months that we lived in North Carolina at the beach, I was freelancing, building that up. And then I was also a manager at a frozen yogurt shop. So trying to manage that so we can still, you know, make enough money, but it was challenging of trying to, to build my business. Um, so at this point I have been doing some, what a freelance work for eight years now, but I have been specifically with my own business for six and it's definitely been a roller coaster ride of a feast and famine for sure. Um, starting with that first of having to be a manager at a yogurt shop just to make sure we could pay all of our bills. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely the feast or famine. Um, and that's why I love to help people not go through that if you don't have to, because if you have the right strategy and the right mindset, like you really don't have to deal with that bullshit, but yeah, I guess it is kind of paying or due as a going through that. Yeah. Well, I found that it was really hard because, um, so whenever I was working first with the Shopify platform, so pretty much whenever I moved to North Carolina six years ago, um, that was when I was starting to really pick and niche down just to Shopify. And the first like, you know, six, seven months of that, I really didn't have, like I would have maybe one client a month. Um, and then January of that following year, I got featured as a Shopify, like one of the top Shopify experts. And at that time, there was only about 60 of us. So that was a really big deal. Um, now there's like 600. Um, so a lot more competition. But at the time, being one of the top of 60, um, it really skyrocketed, you know, how many leads I was getting. And actually, there's a funny story with that, because I was so used to not getting leads in from the Shopify experts directory that my inbox one day started flooding with all of these like emails of people wanting quotes. And I thought it was spam. I actually deleted the first couple of them because I was like, (laughs) this is spam messages. Like I never really get this many in a day. Like, I don't know what's going on with them. But after a few days it was like, Oh snap, like this is not spam. This is actually my inbox being flooded with emails um, of actual people who want actual quotes. And so it went into this fee cycle, which was really great and really exciting of having all these people wanting to work with me. Um, but it was hard because I felt like at that point I couldn't say no because I had gone through working so hard to get just one client to, you know, say yes and that, uh, sign on the dotted line. And so to now have all of these people that wanted to work with me, you know, in the beginning I was working on like 12 clients a month, which as a web designer and developer of me designing the site and developing it, each one is around like, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60 hours per project. Mm. So you take that and times it by 12 and there was no time to sleep, eat, do anything. It was incredibly exhausting, but I felt like I couldn't say no or turn down any projects because I hadn't had any for so long. It felt like, you know, if I turned down one that they would all just stop and people would just disappear. Hmm. So how did you get out of that cycle of just constant work? Cause I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, honestly, I stayed in that cycle. It was pretty much a fee cycle for about two years of constantly having, you know, anywhere from, 
I would say eight to 12 projects a month. Um, and some of them would carry on to multiple months, but I honestly didn't do a good job of getting out of that cycle because I, I kept um, taking on all of these people, but it got to a point where it was one night that, so just a, a little uh, to tell you about how I was doing all the work, I would work all day and then I would take a nap uh, on the couch from like 9 p.m. to midnight, and then my husband would wake me up, I would pop open a rock star, and I would keep going. So I was like taking a nap, not even sleeping, taking a nap for like three hours a night, working weekends, doing everything like that. There was two different Christmases, sorry mom if you're listening, that I missed, because (sighs) I didn't feel like I could actually, because we lived, our parents were in Tennessee, so it was a 12-hour drive, and I, I didn't feel like we could actually come in for Christmas and take a few days off because I just had too much work. Um, and so it got to a point where one of those nights I, at like 3am, I just lost it. Um, just absolute, like, I mean, I had been struggling with burnout, but I just absolute lost it. I woke my husband up and was just completely crying. Like nobody's ever seen sobbing before. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I went to bed and that was kind of my like, Nope, I'm tapping out. Um, Mm. And then at that point, I just started realizing, okay, like there's always going to be work. You don't have to take it all on. And I also started getting better at going, okay, I'm busy right now. Um, My workload is full, but I can schedule you for the next month. And so I started kind of working with a a little bit of a wait list there. And that was kind of how I, I broke out of the cycle. But to be completely honest, I was in burnout city for like two years working a crazy schedule. So I'm not the best example of how to get out of it for sure. But at least you recognize that. I think some people just think that your life has to be hustling. That's kind of the mentality that's been um, thrown upon us female entrepreneurs. Like we're just going to work really hard and that's when all the money's going to come and that's when the success is going to come. But yeah. you can, it that my coach and other coaches I work with have said it can be easy. You can let it be easy. You can let it be funny. It doesn't have to be a struggle all yeah. the time. And I 100% agree because when I've worked all that time, not slept, it's exhausting. You really do lose it a little bit yeah. because you just want to prove something to yourself or to other people or whatever that you're good enough and you can make it. It's almost like you're trying to prove like, look, I can make money. I am successful. Look how hard I'm working. Yeah. Which is stupid because we define our own worth and we define our success. Well, I think I was honestly kind of wearing it as a badge of honor, how completely exhausted I was because at that point I was also listening to a lot of you know, experts like Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. which I still really like, but he's all about the hustle. And so it felt like, you know, I wasn't listening to anyone who was stressing balance in life. Um, so when I was just surrounding myself with people who constantly talked about the hustle, uh, my husband and I were also trying to get out of debt. And so we had listened to Dave Ramsey's book, which was kind of like work really hard to make extra money. Like he even mm-hmm. said about taking on extra jobs. So work really hard to throw as much money as you can at debt, which was really helpful for us to get out of debt. But it was still, again, kind of pushing that you just have to go, you know, balls to the wall for X amount of time. But it felt like there was always more to do and there was never like a defined stop point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think also, you know, being a developer and having to do programming, I definitely was starting to realize that, you know, I misspell things if I'm really tired and then I have to go back because it didn't work correctly and I have to go find this misspelling and 5,000 lines of code. And (laughs) yeah. And so I would make all these dumb little mistakes where I think if I was rested, I wouldn't actually make these mistakes. So what if you got to that burnout point where you were just like, I'm done how did you re uh, revitalize or rethink your business to make it work better for you? Yeah. So I really kind of at that point decided that I had, I had also had a couple clients that uh, were not the best. I had to one <laughs> client I had to actually send onto a collections agency because they didn't pay. And uh, at that point I was just like, I'm tired of working with one-on-one with people, especially if I couldn't choose the projects that I you know, was really inspired by. So I kind of at that point decided that I really wanted to switch to more of a passive income structure, which is a funny way to say it because passive is not passive. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of work that goes into it. So at that point, I joined a mastermind group um, that I felt like was really kind of connecting with what I was going through of really trying to back off and find more of that balance. And I also started working out kind of a content strategy of how I was going to generate passive income through online courses and YouTube videos and things like that. So I think that was my main uh, way that I was able to transition because now I about half my income every month is passive and about the other half is one-on-one clients. So it was able by kind of slowly transitioning into that, it let me automatically, you know, have that income filled but not have to work as hard to get it every single month. Yeah. That's so much better. I'm still working my way to that, but (laughs) it'll come eventually. Oh yeah. And it's definitely a process. Like I thought, you know, as much as I knew the whole you'll build it and they'll come thing wasn't right. I still thought, Oh, I'll run some Facebook ads and some Google ads and then I'll just get tons of sales and it'll be great. And I'll just be on my merry way. Um, and it wasn't like that, you know, it was still a lot of building up that audience and that community to purchase these passive income streams from you. And, you know, even though it took, you know, I don't know, even know, like 20 something hours to record my flagship course, it's still like once it was done, it wasn't, that's why I say the passive is not really passive because I still had to market it. I still had to update the videos once they updated, you know, the Shopify backend. Mm-hmm. And there was still a lot of work to do. However, that work wasn't as much work as if I had taken on different one-on-one clients at that time. Yeah. So I know you're an early riser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your morning routine? Like, do you have anything that helps you start your day? Yeah. So I am a morning person. I typically get up naturally without an alarm clock at around 5 a.m. Um, oh I've been gosh. like that my entire <laughs> life. I'm a morning person. <laughs> But I'm a total old lady at night because come 9 p.m. I am dragging. I can't even open my eyes past like 10. I don't think that actually happens. Um, It's very rare if I'm up past like 10 o'clock at night. Um, But so my morning routine, I wake up at 5 and I typically, you know, do breakfast. Once the sun comes up, I'll take the dogs on a walk. Um, I also like to do my workouts and morning routine in the morning routine. So I'll go out to, thankfully we've built out a little gym at our house in our garage. So I'll go out and lift weights and do the treadmill and 
punching bag and things like that. Um, and then I'm typically at my desk around 7 a.m. And that's when I know that's when I'm the most productive. So I choose to use that time on my own project. So I'll work on recording or editing my YouTube videos, mm -hmm. recording new class content. So I'll work on my own projects from around 7 in the morning till around lunch at 11. Um, and then after lunch is when I'll start working on my client projects and answering emails and things like that. I still... I've read so many articles about not checking your email first thing in the morning and I've gotten better at it. However, I still definitely do check that just to, to see who responded to things. Um, so I would love to tweak that in my morning routine of not responding to email or checking email to the afternoon as well. It's so hard. It's so it's, hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And, and I don't know about you, but I can spend like over an hour just like reading through emails, replying things, deleting things like it just sucks up so much time. And I've read, you know, like the four hour work week and all that stuff about mm -hmm. like, only check your, you know, email once per day. Or and I'm like, what? Who does that? Like once per day, my clients would think I was dead. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten better. Like I added, I read that book as well. And I put, you know, an email signature in about, I only check it um, at 12 and four. And then that I only, it'll take up to 24 hours to respond. But for me, especially with client projects, there are times when I want to just see if, you know, they responded back so that I could know if I can work on that that day. Cause sometimes I'm waiting for information. Um, but yeah, emails definitely do take up a large amount of time. Um, so I've been working on doing the Pomodoro technique for that. I've heard um, of it, but I haven't used it. Oh, I love it. Um, and I'm very app centric. So I actually found an app that really helps with it. It's called Forest. Um, but it's fun because so with the Pomodoro technique, I typically do 50 minutes on and then 10 minute breaks. And that's how I break up the time. But you can with this forest app, you can actually plant a tree. Um, so you're planting a tree during the 50 minutes. And it's kind of fun because it's kind of uh, lets you collect trees and it's kind of gamified um, in terms of everything, which I typically love those kind of um, techie gamified apps. So uh, coming from a gamer background, those are ones that I definitely gravitate towards. Huh, I'll have to check that out. That's cool. Yeah, it's a fun <laughs> one. And it helps me because otherwise I just had a kitchen timer on my desk and it was just kind of you know, kitchen timer's kind of loud, it was kind of boring. So finding the app, I think, made it even more fun to do the 50 minutes on, 10 minutes off. Hmm. So do you have any other productivity uh, tips or tricks that you use uh, every day? So I find as well as kind of with the Pomodoro that uh, the time that it takes to do something will fill how much time you have available. So I had started actually working in a co-working space because at home it was kind of like there's always work to do. Um, it, you know, you can constantly be working on things. And so having a separate space away from my house really helped me. Um, it's so funny because whenever I first decided to freelance, it was like, oh, I can work from home and this will be great. And then I realized that working from home, you know, my husband also works from home. The dogs are here, so there was constant just interruptions. And even if it was like a tiny little bit of an interruption, it would take me a minute to get back into it um, and figure out what I was working on. So having a co-working space that I go to, and I get there as soon as they open at 9, and I leave as soon as they close at 5, but having that set time 
and going, okay, you know, as soon as this is over, I'm driving back home and I'm not working on work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really helpful for me to kind of turn it off um, as well as doing the, the Pomodoro technique because like with email, I would set a timer and say, okay, I have 50 minutes to answer all of these emails. So it helped me prioritize, you know, which emails do I really need to answer first or which ones do I think are going to take the longest. And then it really just kept me focused so I didn't kind of go down rabbit holes. Yeah, it's so easy to do to just, with the internet and everything, you can just totally veer off and get distracted. And then you're like, oh, what have I done today? Nothing on my to-do list. Cool. Yeah, (laughs) I actually did that um, the other day. I went into my YouTube channel to go and respond to comments. I I get probably around 20 comments a day. So I kind of block it into almost like sending or sending emails. And so I was going in to do that, but then I got distracted by a YouTube video and I went down like a 45 minute like YouTube rabbit hole of just binging all of this content from this channel. And I came out of it and was like, oh man, I logged into YouTube for my comments and I haven't even gone and switched <laughs> over to my channel page yet. I'm still on my personal account. Like this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have one piece of advice for uh, a woman listening here who's thinking about starting her own business or maybe it's just started? Like what, what would you tell her? as a friend or as a fellow business owner to help her? Yeah, I would say just kind of flow with the process. Um, I think in the beginning, like you were saying, I think it's kind of like everyone goes through that process of, okay, you first start getting clients or people who are paying for you, um, either your products or your time. And it, it, you definitely do kind of want to work a little bit more. Um, and I think that that's kind of natural. Don't get stuck into it, but just kind of flow with it. Um, also I think just own where you're at in the process. I would always look at people, um, especially when I first started doing YouTube videos, I would look at people like Marie Forleo, who I really admired, had these beautiful sets, um, that she had rented out and she was interviewing people and I, I just wanted that so bad. And I instead was having, you know, a boring kind of backdrop. And so I felt a lot of guilt around that of that, you know, I wasn't producing as high of content. However, I came to realize that, you know, this was my first time on YouTube and she has, you know, been doing it for years. So don't compare your starting point to someone's middle point. Um, Mm. I think it's so easy to compare people and, you know, sometimes you'll hear about these, you know, overnight successes. However, what you don't hear is that it actually took them 10 years to become an overnight success. So I think the comparison mode is really hard just because we're only comparing comparing ourselves to what we can see now, but just kind of own what part of the process you're in. And, you know, you can always look at how can you up level your tech or your backdrops or whatever it is that you're wanting to up level in your business, but don't feel like you have to have all the pieces to get started. Mm, Yeah, that's amazing advice because you can so easily get caught up in that comparisonitis of I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be that person and you're never going to get started. You're just going to be stuck. (laughs) Exactly. Well, especially for me, like whenever I was first earning on YouTube, I felt like I had to have, you know, a thousand dollar camera, all these lighting things. And I didn't have the money to do all of that. So I actually procrastinated on starting my YouTube channel because I felt like, Oh, I don't have all the tech that I need. And then it was kind of at that point whenever I realized, okay, I just need to start. And that's the most important part that I started recording with my phone. And yeah, I would get some comments every now and then of, you know, my, my quality or my audio needed to be 
upgraded. And so it was kind of a slow purchase. Next, I bought a lapel mic. And so instead of having to buy, you know, and spend $3,000 on everything I needed, um, it was kind of more slow purchasing things to slowly upgrade my quality and my tech for, for what I was needing to do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if anybody wants to find you online, where could they find you? Yeah, so the, the best place to find me would be on my website, which is CuriousThemes.com, as well as I do have uh, daily YouTube videos going out on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com backslash CuriousThemes, and those are kind of the two places where I'm the most active. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was so fun to talk to you businesswoman to businesswoman. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.